we tend to forget that true freedom begins with the soul or in the soul, however you refer to it, it starts there. And if we remember that, we will always know that we carry that wisdom, that power, that knowing are grounded with us no matter where we go. Welcome to Joyful Sundays, a podcast delivering weekly insights, inspiration, and tools to live a more conscious, connected, and intentionally meaningful life. Join us as we go into the minds of some of the world's most inspiring leaders to discover the keys to unlocking your best self. In the midst of a global pandemic, there has never been a more important time to reflect on how we want to emerge, what we value, who we are at our cores, and how we want to reflect those North Star values in the lives we build post a global crisis. I'm your host, Jody Kovitz. Welcome back to Joyful Sundays. This week, I am so delighted to be joined by the inspiring Carlin Purcell. She is a friend an entrepreneur, a certified emotional intelligence and neuro life coach. Carlin specializes in helping women better understand themselves and their worth, as well as she's an expert in diversity, inclusion, and equity work. Her goal is to empower women to authentically lead, live, and engage with those around them. In 2013, Carlin created Sister Talk, a community where women could openly and courageously sit down to discuss their personal and professional lives. Today, Sister Talk is a global leadership movement, and her current company, KDPM Consulting Group, is dedicated to helping women master their brains to gain competitive advantage inside and outside the workplace. She's also a coveted speaker and expert in inclusion, and I strongly encourage you to check out her work. Carlin and I are also great friends. She's been in and around the Move the Dial community and my life for three years. I learn a tremendous amount from her. She brings incredible empathy to all that she does, which we'll talk about today. Carlin, it is a true honor to have you on our show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Jody. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I always love talking to you and feel so full and nourished after we chat. So excited to share our conversation with the Joyful Sundays community. To start off, how are you doing? We've been in COVID-19 pandemic for almost five months and the world has changed dramatically over that course of time in so many ways. So how are you doing? First of all, you say it's five months. I feel like it's been a year. (laughs) Today, I'm good. Today, I'm good. I'm feeling okay. But it has definitely been a journey of, I call it a roller coaster, where every day is different. And every day, I don't know who I'm going to meet. Every day I wake up, I'm like, who am I going to meet today? Tired Carlin, you know, frustrated Carlin, empathetic Carlin, loving Carlin. I don't know. And in the beginning of this journey, I actually was putting so much pressure on myself to show up a certain way because I thought I needed to be that way and I needed to just be there for others. 
But after a while, I realized that A, it's not sustainable. B, it's not very kind and loving to Carlin. And C, we're in a pandemic, right? <laughs> like <laughs> In our lifetime, we're living in a pandemic. That's so self-loving of you to recognize that. And I, I know we talk about self-love and how do we come to embrace and love ourselves through. And I love how you're talking about you know, we have to just pay attention to who we're going to meet today. And so how do you do that? How do you make space for tired or frustrated Carlin? Well, first of all, I love that you're having this conversation because I think it's a conversation that's often not prioritized. But when you look at the world and even the pandemic we're going through and everything that's going on, you need to have those conversations and fully understand that side of yourself in order for you to move forward with intention and impact. It's so funny because getting to know her, my pandemic self, and meeting her at all her various stages... I got to a place where I had to find a name. I don't know who I'm going to meet today, Carlin. So I call them unfolding days. So when I'm, I'm frustrated or I'm tense, I can literally feel myself on guard. I'm like, Carlin, why are your shoulders all the way up to your ears? Like, what are you doing? Unfolding days, I sit with myself and I ask, what do you need today? And that can look different on different days, Jody. Like it could look like I'm on the floor. I live in a condo downtown Toronto very fortunate that I have this space and I get on my knees and I start cleaning. Like I clean the baseboards, I clean the doors, like I go on a cleaning frenzy. Other days I just need quiet. I need quiet. I, I can't speak to anyone. Other days I go back to my roots and how I grew up. I'm a child of the earth. I grew up in the Caribbean in St. Lucia in a very tiny village called Baslava. We, we grow on food. We bathe in the river. <laughs> I get shivers, honestly, Carlin, when you talk about your origin story. Please tell us more because it's so powerful to hear about your roots. So I find when I'm disconnected from Carla and I'm not sure where she is, I go back to that grounding, that knowing. So for me, that looks like nature here because our house, Jody, if I show you a photo, think of a huge forest and then there's a little tiny little wooden house in the middle of it and there's no one for miles. Like it took me an hour to catch the bus to go to school, to walk to the bus to, to go to school. Yes, yeah, so I go back to nature and it just brings me back to that place of serenity and joy and knowing that I'm loved and protected and the earth is there to protect me. Nature is there to protect me and to meet me where I'm at. So sometimes I just go, I'm lucky enough, you know, I live close to a park. I walk to the park and I just lay on the grass or I might sit by the water. Again, I, I try to meet myself where I'm at. And if there's one thing I think 2020 taught me is the reintroduction of how I'm loving Carlin through life. So these are some places where I start. It's so beautiful and it resonates so powerfully for me, Carlin, because I've been so fortunate to spend some time up north in Ontario near lakes this summer and water and in particular lake water, quiet lake water for me is haven. It's home, very grounding. I spent my summers at a lake and when I feel the way that you're describing, for me, it's been sort of not feeling grounded or not feeling free in my soul. I know that when I go back to nature, it sort of enables me to connect with my most authentic and highest self and everything falls away. And that purity sort of enables me to get regrounded and refocused on that self-love actually in the most profound ways. So I love that you've been making space to honor whoever you are that shows up. It is so important that we have this conversation because I think as you say, you know, a lot of people feel we have to muscle through this. 
Mm-hmm. The conditioning. And you said something so powerful. I wanted to just, as Oprah would say, it's a Twitter ball. That, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I you love know that. that you talked about freedom, soul freedom. And I think it's something a lot of women and people are not hungry enough for. I think we need to be hungry enough about the freedom of our soul and our being and that knowing because we carry that with us everywhere we go and it's right there it's ready for us to tap into it's ready for us to access it but i think we have been so conditioned to externalize answers that seeking that we do that is usually grounded not in ourselves but in something external we tend to forget that true freedom begins with the soul or in the soul, however you refer to it, it starts there. And if we remember that, we will always know that we carry that wisdom, that power, that knowing, that grounding with us no matter where we go. I love that. And it really makes me think about, you know, as you and I talk often about when we talk, not on the podcast, about being in truth to ourselves and showing up as our authentic selves and shedding that need to have approval. And in this day and age, it's really difficult. And I actually fear for our young people a lot around this Instagram, TikTok culture and how many likes you get and, you know, everybody putting on masks, right? And that really leads me actually quite perfectly into a lot of the work you've been focused on, because I know that you inspire so many humans around showing up as our authentic selves. Lately, people have seen you extensively in the media and speaking on many virtual stages, unfortunately, given the pandemic, but about the topic of anti-Black racism and true belonging and sharing your profound leap framework. Before we get into your current work and what I think is a really inspiring way to understand and look at the work that we have to do, how you've put it together through your leap framework, talk to us a little bit about your earlier career, Carlin, and what led you to this moment where you're now coaching and advising some of North America's largest corporations on diversity and inclusion, equity and wellness. Tell us a little bit about your story. When I reflect and I, and I sit back, even like something as profound, like you said, how I grew up, no electricity, no running water. I did my homework by candlelight. I did my homework by a kerosene lamp. And I'm only 43. I, I am not that old. You know what I mean? And I, I would say you're quite on, young. Given right? I'm very close to that age myself. So, yeah. You know, I think about like, here I am, fast forward. I'm now living here in Canada. I moved to Toronto in 2003 as an immigrant. And the work that I do, I often say it's an extension of who I am and my experiences. Because I don't think I would have gotten interested or fascinated by the science of human behavior or the impact of exclusion on the mental and emotional well-being of not just myself, but other racialized women. And just that journey of getting here was full of so many bumps and punches and insomnia and late nights, cannot sleep and literally having a visceral reaction every time I walk into my workplace sometimes, I could feel the oppression. But back then, working in the bank, being in fintech for 20 plus years, we didn't have the luxury of using that kind of language. Like, so I often talk about the privilege of language. And how language is not something as a black immigrant woman that I have full access to. I couldn't say that I feel threatened or I don't feel safe, right? I, I didn't have the permission to do that. 
I want you to know that I have literal shivers in my body while you're talking. Like I almost need you to say that again. The words, what you just said, that you couldn't say you didn't feel safe is so... No, I didn't even have, Jody the authority to go to HR. The bank did not have the psychological safety that let me know that, hey, if you go to HR, there won't be a repercussion. You won't get fired. You won't get blacklisted as an angry black woman or a problematic black woman. Because I remember my first salary negotiation, my white male VP was like, she moved here to this country. She should, she should be grateful she has a job. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> so you face those really micro yet huge impact microaggressions and you don't know what to do with it. You can't go anywhere with it. You don't see enough in the media in terms of stories of people sharing similar experiences. So you convince yourself on a certain level that you're alone. You're the only person going through this. So, hey, let me stuff this into my very visible knapsack of being a black woman because I can't take away that every time I walk into the workplace and carry it with me along with all the other stuff that I'm carrying with me from my ancestors, from the past four centuries, 400 years that my ancestors and people have been going through in terms of oppression and anti-Black racism. So trying to get, you know, language or trying to see how I can get past the discomfort of using language really forced me to take a look at not just myself, but also how are you showing up, Carlin? And we have so many people talking about authenticity, bring your whole self to work. And I'm just like, how? because I can't take off this black skin, how? And I know people are gonna say, but how do you know? You're not being discriminated against. You know, you're smart, you're great. I'm like, up to the day I left, the bank was still telling me, you're amazing, we love you, you're great. All the work you've done in the department of the very tiny staff they gave me, which I had to fight for. And then they finally got an SVP, then we got a VP and they brought in more, they opened up more roles. And I'm like, oh, for sure this time. Exceeds expectation, every performance review. And then, yeah, we brought in a white guy and he's like, but we, we love you though. You're amazing. You're great. And I'm like, actions and words don't match. Something's wrong. And this was when I told myself, Carlin, if you don't fight for Carlin in a way that you've never fought before, not only will this job kill you, but you will just end up leaving behind a legacy that's telling your nieces and nephews that it's okay for others to treat them that way. Just want to... Take a moment to thank you so profoundly for being so candid about your experience and sharing in such a raw and meaningful way, even the way it's impacting me personally to sit and listen to your story. And I've heard it before, but every time you share it, it goes deeper into me. And I'm so grateful because it's very courageous of you to share. Once you give yourself permission to align your way of being, your values, the emotional data that comes up, when we honor that, when we truly see ourselves for ourselves, Jody, not to commoditize our existence, not to commoditize our skills, but just who we are, forget titles. And that's when I actually created my first course. Well, it wasn't a course, to be quite honest. I created it because on our journey to becoming our most authentic selves and really taking up our space in this world, 
all your gremlins will show up. All the demons will come and sit at the table and tell you, all your inner critic, they will all show up and tell you why you should not pursue that role, et cetera, et cetera. And one of my other gremlins that show up, or I call it my elephant story, an elephant story is, is a story that is rooted in shame, helplessness, vulnerability, fear, that often gets in the way of us becoming our whole full selves. And one of that elephant story has been a survival of child sexual abuse. And I remember when I was ready to tell that story because that gremlin was showing up over and over again. But she was showing up in a way where I was ready to fully own that part of my story. And the thing is that when we deny ourselves the right to our full stories, even the ones that are rooted in shame, this is how we get to authenticity. People keep thinking authenticity is this one thing. I'm like, we are on a lifetime journey of becoming our authentic selves. So as I brought that version of Carlin to the table, one of the things that I discovered behind shame, and that's why I love the work of Dr. Brené Brown, and I call her my virtual mentor and my bestie. Yes. <laughs> and it's interesting you say that because my own relationship with shame and going deep, deep into that was just completely transformed the second I listened to her first TED Talk years ago. Like you, it literally changed my life to read that move that I would not exist but for Brene Brown and her talk on shame. Same. Sister talk would not exist. Like, we need to do a whole Brene yes, party. Yes, we do. But sister talk would not exist if it wasn't for her, too, because one of her quotes that she says that shame, blame, disrespect, betrayal... And the withholding of affection, it damages the roots from which love grows. And she talks about this concept of hustling for worthiness outside of ourselves. Because for years, I led with my shame story. Carlin's not good enough. She keeps up. She has to prove herself. You know, she went through all this trauma. She needs to become better in order for her to fully earn her seat at the table. And that narrative also drives our goals, who I showed up as, the amount of money I asked for when I negotiated, or whether or not I did negotiate. It drives so many decisions that we make in our day-to-day, -day, but we don't even realize that the unconscious programming and conditioning from our past, it drives a lot of who we are today. But when we now integrate that part of ourselves into our becoming authentic selves, then we are now getting to a place where I can recognize the shame. I can see it. I can see how it impacted my behavior, my thoughts, my emotions. And now I can begin my journey to emotional resilience. Now I can tap into the power of, yes, I've been there. And here's how I moved through it. Here's how I showed up for myself. Here's how I moved through the difficult conversation, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's so profound the way you've described that. And one of the things that I have found so remarkable in working with you and learning with you and unlearning with you has been your deep capacity for empathy. And I literally have tears in my eyes while I'm talking because Brene talks about the antidote to shame being empathy and that empathy and self-empathy around understanding ourselves and the mistakes we've made and our patterns of behavior that might be self-protecting and or come from a wounded place. It's been so profound to me in terms of I've been very, very privileged to meet thousands of people that do this work. And I'm telling you, the level of empathy and frankly, love that you bring to this work, Carlin, is unmatched. And so I believe, and it's just so beautiful listening to you, a lot of that comes from 
this place of knowing yourself so well and having been deeply focused on your own journey and self-love and growth as a human being before you could even sort of present yourself to the world as a leader. It's so profound. I'd love to dive a little bit into your diversity, inclusion and equity work, Carlin. Can you tell our listeners, in case they want to dig deeper on your website and, and with you, about your LEAP framework? What does it stand for? Why did you frame it that way? When the racial pandemic started, there were just so many conversations and so many people just talking about this anti-racism work and equity and the injustices and the dehumanization of Black lives in the workplace and the world globally. And the number one thing that kept coming up was a lot of people just don't know where to start. Some people do have the right intention and impact, but where do you start? And I love helping people on the journey. I love guiding them. I love being there on the journey with them. And immediately my brain went to Carlin, how can you be of service? You know, it was like service coach Carlin and I had full capacity to show up as well. And this is what is really beautiful about being on the journey of knowing yourself because that framework, Jody, I didn't create it. It was given to me because I kid you not, I got up the morning and I was like, I know how to help people to do this work. I know how to help people to leap to equity. And it's because of my long battle of trauma. I've had so many years to practice and I still have so much more to do and go. If there's one thing I've learned is that when you meet people where they are and you truly see them wherever they are on the journey without judgment, this is how you can transform lives. This is how you move people forward. So LEAP stands for, L is for listening, learning, and reflecting. Some people are probably hearing about, you know, what's been happening with our community and indigenous community for the very first time. So now it's time to listen so that you can emotionalize racism and fully understand racism as a system. Also unlearn some of the notions or stereotypes that you might have unconsciously consumed and been conditioned of because of the system of racism in terms of our education system and our story and experiences and work being left out of history and not being taught in schools. E stands for exploring and examining our history. I designed this other framework called your white SPF in order for white people to move forward or to know where they are on their journey in terms of being an unbiased success partner in the form of allyship. You have to first understand your own standing and where you are. P stands for what are some of your personal narratives or personal stories or your perspectives that you carry about others, about differences that you may not even realize, but the pandemic has brought it to light for you, which by the way is a gift. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. You just get an opportunity to do some deeper work. E is about our experiences and our environment. When you look around you, are you seeing yourself reflected back to you? Or do you actually have diverse friendships and relationships? I often tell people, how many black people can you text right now? If you cannot text any of them, then you don't have meaningful relationships with this community. And A is for advocacy, making allyship a verb, turning, like I said, all the things I've been talking about into being an unbiased equity success partner and practice and prioritize equity. This is not a race. We're talking about changing behavior. Marathon lifetime commitment. Yeah, lifetime. Take, you know, some time to go figure out what shoes you need to walk, right? Before you decide which one to sign up for. I think that's really beautiful. And it leads me to a sort of a question. I would love to actually build on what you've just said, Carlin, and ask you, could you please share a practical 
piece of advice for our audience on if someone is just starting in this work and is inspired by this particular conversation to have a more courageous conversation and become a better partner. I love that word that you use and and lifetime impactful ally. What would that one piece of advice be on where to start? Focus on the social circle that you spend the most time in, because we're not going to get extra two hours in the day. We're not going to get 27 hour days, find space for you to do the work. I often tell people, start where you are. So if that's work for you, or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and you're at home, or whatever it is that you spend your most time in, I would say start there and start leaping there. And by that, I mean, who are the individuals in your circle that you connect with on a regular basis? What is your level of understanding of the Black experience? What was the last book you read? What is the last person you listened to? But most importantly, what are you actively doing? And if you are in the workplace context, what is your organization doing to ensure that anti-racism or anti-black racism is a priority and that your current DNI strategy, it's embedded in the roots of equity? So can you champion something at work? Can you raise your hand? If you live in a community where you have access to whether it's police board or you know someone who works there, you have that power and position privilege. Who can you call and lobby and send a letter to and advocate for looking at the curriculum that your children go to school and making sure that there is Black history is being taught or Indigenous history is being taught? There are so many things that we can do. And looking at the people who are actually doing the work as well, what can you support or what can you amplify? I know some people are worried about virtue signaling. I often say, if in your heart you feel it's virtue signaling, meaning that you're just doing it so you can get props or likes, then don't do it. But if you're coming from a place of genuine, I want people to know, I want to share this because it, I know it will help someone else, I would say start there. And the last thing I would say that's very practical, start your own Let's Learn Together anti-racism group. We're not meant to journey alone. If I can't reach my water, Jody, I want you to be able to say, hey, I got you. Just keep walking out. Go grab your bottle of water. We can't do this alone. We're not meant to do this work alone. We're wired for connection. So create a group and start doing the work. But remind yourself that this is a lifetime work. That's so powerful. And thank you so much for sharing your perspective and so many practical tips because I know people are really looking for people like me who bring many different privileges to the table and want to do the work really often are looking for a very practical place to start. So I really appreciate you sharing that. I would love to move a little bit into talking about resiliency and your openness around your journey and healing from trauma as a child has always inspired me. And when I was preparing for our conversation today, what kept coming to me visually, it just was so powerful, was Dr. Maya Angelou's poem, Still I Rise. And I really was thinking of you and I felt this one sentence in the poem, but still like dust I'll rise, coming at me. And I would love to hear from your perspective, sharing your thoughts a little bit around resiliency. It's such a layered topic and that poem always gives me goosebumps and even when you said it I got goosebumps funny I was watching some Oprah and her interview the Oprah conversation and she was saying how Maya Angelou somebody was saying a racially inappropriate the question was how can I address 
someone who mommy say a racist joke or a homophobic joke and she said she was at her house and somebody started saying it and she came across and she's like get out of my house right now get out get out get out <laughs> and I'm often so amazed by her because you know what she said? She said that because if you don't, if you say this joke in my house, it's now in my cushion, it's now in my walls, and now this is now going to impact me and it's going to permeate through my being. And when I think about the work of, you know, resilience and wellness and healing and psychological safety, I think it's such a violent act against the Black community and the racialized community when individuals who do this work don't include or involve trauma-informed well-being experts and therapists and individuals who fully understand the impact of oppression on the lives of Black people because it means that you're constantly providing a solution that doesn't really suit us. And I say this to also share my own unpacking that I have to do because it's not a running joke, but it's something we're always reminding each other and we're also unpacking. It's a quote by Audre Lorde when she said that rest is part of the resistance, it's revolutionary, it's part of the movement. You talk about advocacy, you talk about activism, rest is a part of it, why? We are carrying with us centuries of racism or the impact of racism in our DNA. We don't know how to rest. We don't know how to give ourselves permission to let down our guard because we're still fighting. It's 2020, Jody, and we're still fighting for equity. We're still fighting for organizations to listen to the experiences of Black people in the workplace so that they can do a more equitable leadership or wellness strategy or to ensure that psychological safety for Black people is in place. And to meaningfully ensure that Black people are leading those organizations and on the boards of those organizations. Yes. And frankly, that we're designing actual products and services that reflect the needs of the Black community and not just using the word diverse folks, right? Actually specifically naming and saying we do not see our Black leaders where we need to see our Black leaders. And so it's super profound. And I think that idea of rest is really important because one of the things I know you and I have talked a lot about is the emotional tax even of doing the work of holding up the community, people like yourself, who you come from such a place of love and you have been so generous of your spirit in teaching the community, holding space, bringing empathy to the work, teaching and educating and learning and unlearning with allies. And it is exhausting, right, for you. I can't even imagine when you're a community builder and a giver, you know, I can relate to those pieces, but I cannot relate, of course, to the piece where you've experienced so much racism overtly and covertly at the same time as doing that energy giving, right? So how are you resting? Can we talk a little bit about that? How are you taking care of you and protecting your energy? Because that is something I'm fascinated by and we talk a lot about on this podcast. I give that precursor because I think it's so important to understand that even myself, and I can't speak for everyone, I'm, I'm sharing my own experience from my own lens. I had to understand the impact of racial trauma. I had to give myself, going back to that privilege around language and words, I had to actually give myself permission to actually recognize racial trauma as one of the things that's impacted my well-being. I had to go there 
And unfortunately for us, sometimes we tend to go to the stats first and say, wait, I need to validate this. And this is why also I never felt comfortable going to work and saying, hey, I don't want to talk to a white coach, a stress coach. Can I get a black person? I didn't feel I had the capacity and the power to do that. So we've now understanding racial trauma and also how it just impacts you on a mental, a physical, an emotional. One of the things that my very first step for resting is to recognize the impact on me, on my body. It sounds so trite, recognize, but when do we even pay attention to what's happening in our bodies? I think that's so powerful. I think so many of us, COVID is now reintroducing us to ourselves. We're like, oh, ah, that back pain? Ah, I thought I dealt with this. Ugh, it's back. So our bodies are such great feedback tools, but we haven't been taught to honor it. We haven't been taught to see it as a feedback mechanism that's literally always teaching us about our boundaries and who we are and our needs. So for me, that first R, because you also know how obsessed I am with acronyms. So I, I'm going to give it. you I an love, acronym in terms of what I'm doing. <laughs> so R is recognizing that and recognizing it on all levels. I start with my body first because that's my biggest informant. <laughs> and also looking at where it's impacting me the most. So interestingly enough, one of the things that I've noticed, especially this year, when I'm exhausted and I'm still trying to dishonor my notification, my inner body notification, my voice starts disappearing, Jody. Like, I kid you not, like, I would be like, at a very low, and I'm like, what is going on? I see it like it's almost like I'm back to zero. And don't you ask yourself sometimes, why do I disrespect your body? Why am I not kinder to you? Why am I not nicer to you? Why am I not spending more time with you, learning about you? Because you're constantly there for me, giving me feedback, giving me data, letting me know when something's off. <sighs> so E, E is about, so now that we've gotten that recognition and, and I know, I go to examining that data. It's like, what is that output for that particular thing? What do I need to do? Do I need silence? Do I need to go for an hour walk? Do I need to sit by the water? Do I need to call my therapist? Do I need to tell my husband, let's go for a drive? I just need quality time. What do I need? Or maybe I just need to lay on the couch. Like last Sunday, I was so spent. I could not move. Like I needed to clean. I had all those things. So my body was like, you're so cute. It's not happening. I'm not moving. You can plan all you want. I'm not moving lie down. I love that. And giving yourself permission to that. We have to do that sometimes. I've done that too. For the first time in my career, like ever in 22 years, I have days where it just sort of went back to the beginning of our conversation when we talked about days where it's not really happening. It's like, okay, it's not happening today. Like I'm just going to lie down and watch something on Netflix for a few hours. Yes. And you need to do more because when we are in that state too, this is when we get, you know, those connections, our neurons are connecting, we're getting aha moments, we're getting insight, we're understanding ourselves better. Expressing that need in a way that really resonates with me is extremely important. And S is really staying the course because just as you mentioned, and I'm pretty sure when you did that day of doing nothing, your guilt and shame mongrels were like loud, Massive. <laughs> right? They show up with all the horns and the toots and the, hey, guess what you should be doing or you can be doing right now. So for me, staying the course and literally allowing myself to, especially if it's a new habit that I'm trying to put in place, 
I stay the course with it. I remind myself that I'm worthy of giving myself that time. I remind myself that rest is how I can really show up and do my best and give my best. Rest is how I say thank you for this body that I have that is still meeting me every single day where I'm at. And tea is all about taking time to nurture my relationships and the things that bring me joy. We forget to prioritize, and I call them joy bombs, because I don't think it's possible to be joyful all the time. But those moments where we have joy bombs, like think of it as a bath bomb, right? When you put in that bomb, that bath bomb in the water, what happens? It like bubbles up. So give yourself permission to have joy bombs and to take the time to nurture your relationships and the things that bring you joy. And I know a lot of women are like, oh, I'm busy. I have to do this for the kids and da, da, da. I invite everyone to think about how can I shift from a blind sacrifice to love and sacrifice and love and sacrifice. It calls us to include ourselves in the process of honoring and serving ourselves first so that we can serve others. So, Carlin, we're coming close to the end of our time, which is unbelievable because I could just talk what? to you for I a million we just hours. Talking. I, know. <laughs> I know. I would love to ask you two final questions. So, first, this period of time, both sort of living through COVID 19 as a pandemic and then the anti Black racism experience that this time has brought forward through the murders of so many beautiful humans, has really given us the opportunity to shift our North Star values. And how has this time shifted your North Star values? How will you emerge differently out of this into the new world that it'll never go back, I don't think? Oh, such a good question. Last year, I shared with Born of Influence, actually, I did an article on emotional burnout. And I think that was the first time I really felt like that tightness in my bones which was coming from my work, right? Doing this equity inclusion work. And I said, I can't go on trying to prove to others that Black Lives Matter in the workplace. There's something very dehumanizing about it to say that your equity strategy needs to be more inclusive and that you need a budget and you actually need someone who's heading up this work. Like I'm constantly trying to prove that we matter. And I was ready to give up. I was like, I'm done. I think maybe, I don't know, I need to rethink things and I need to think about what am I going to do? Maybe pivot. I don't know. But I was just in the space of really rethinking about my life and what's next because of this emotional burnout. And what I realized through this racial pandemic, Jody, was that I wasn't fully living out my values the way I wanted to. So this is where the emotional burnout came out. When you are prioritizing a performative version of yourself so that you can fit into society's narrow definition of who you should be, it's exhausting. It costs you something. We don't see it, but those tiny pebbles are in my very visible knapsack at some point, which crashes. So I was able to live out my values of love, hope, love of learning, love of teaching, hope, vulnerability, Right. And I thank you for, you know, you've always said that consistently, not just on this podcast in terms of my approach, in terms of empathy and compassion and what I bring to the table. This gifts, you know, in this season, it has really amplified how I use my gifts, but most importantly, my love for meeting people where they are. And I'm really, really, really grateful for that because it has now, I think last year, I'll see where I am December 2020, but December 2019, I was back home in St. Lucia 
And that was what I was telling the trees and the birds and the bees back where I grew up because I thought that, hey, maybe I'm not cut out for this and I care too much. But what I didn't realize was that it's just that I wasn't living my values as fully as I wanted to. So uh, this COVID has given me a chance to do that. And I'm really, really grateful and so privileged that I'm helping organizations and I'm really getting them to understand that Black Lives Matter and marginalized lives matter in the workplace. And here's how you can do it in a very inclusive way. I love that. And I think for those that are listening that have endured significant trauma in various forms, the fact that you are so open about your pain in the past and your philosophy around how our pain is designed to serve us. There's always a lesson. And you always sort of ask yourself the question of what's the lesson in this and how can I channel the learnings is so inspiring and certainly inspiring for me. And, you know, I think that light that you have been able to find in the opportunity through the darkness of this time is really profound. And I've read pieces about you, of course, and have seen and been around and close to you enough to see the warrior in you. And I think that's such a strong analogy, really, really it is, because there's something so profound about being able to see what comes out of darkness. And so I really, really appreciate you sharing that perspective. I always on the show when I have a guest with us ask some questions that are crowdsourced. So I'd love to now ask you a few questions that were crowdsourced from the online Joyful Sundays community. First, what is a book that has deeply influenced you and your life? Gifts of Imperfection, Brené Brown. I just had to pause for a little shivers there because it (laughs) dramatically changed my life too. What is a favorite restaurant of yours? You're asking me to choose one? I would say, you know, because in this time, especially during the pandemic, I've been called back, not just feeling the energy of my ancestors, but really craving for home food. So I would have to say that's Pat's. It's Caribbean food. So where I get my goat roti, my curry chicken or rice and peas. So I would say it's, it's Pat's. Awesome. I'll have to give it a try. The next question I would love to ask you is if you could share a black owned business that you would love our listeners to go check out, who would that be? I'm going to give you two. So Kayla Kay is one of my favorite African designers. Kayla Kay Boutique. She's fantastic. If you don't own anything by her, please get something ASAP. My second is because I love lipstick and I also love a bright, bold color. So there's a local designer called Jamma Face. I love the lipsticks as well. And for the body, because I'm a whole person person, right? Body wise, (laughs) I love Mama's Life products. Their shea butter, their lemongrass shea butter. If you haven't tried it, Jody, I'm going to have to get you some. It's so good. So good. I love that. And last but not least, what kind of workouts are you doing lately? I was very consistent with my push-ups. I do 20 to 25 push-ups a day. This week, I haven't done any. But well, Maybe this conversation will get you inspired to get back on it. Do your 20 yes. push-ups today, yes. Carlin. <laughs> Text me when do you're done. Do my 20 push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing self-acceptance to our exercise is also very important. It's a, a mixture of self-love and room for days we don't feel like it and really good friends who want to keep us on our goals. 
And may I share one more thing, Jody? as people continue working on their self-acceptance journey, and notice I said journey because it's a journey, it's not an overnight thing. We use this approach with clients as we do this work around brave conversations, around elephant stories and the anti-racism, anti-black racism, but also as we transition to our most authentic selves. It's called the KDPM three C's coach-like approach. And the three C's that we encourage clients to practice as they do this work, C, the first C stands for curiosity. Use curiosity inquiry to find out what is that emotional data, that disruption, whatever it is that you're feeling. Honor your feelings. Emotions are data and that is your superpower, so use it. C, the second C is compassion. As you transition from your conditioned self to your future self, the brain does not like discomfort. It does not like ambiguity. It does not like you living your conditioned self. So use compassion to meet that interim person, that transitional person where they are. Because that transitional person might be your eight-year-old self who needs love, who needs a hug, who needs to be seen, who needs to tell that story that they never got a chance to tell. So use compassion as you journey on. And the last C is courage. Have courage to take the right action, to take the next step. Don't settle for a mediocre life. You deserve better. And you may not feel like you have the right community because a huge part of resilience is, is community for you to move forward. Here's what I can offer you. Trust that when you take the next step, the universe will send you exactly who you need to support you and to journey with you on your journey. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's super powerful. And thank you, Carlin, so much for making time to be with me today on Joyful Sundays. It was so joyful. So joyful. To have you here. Excuse the time. <laughs> I love it was that. so joyful. Well, our conversations are always and, uh, joyful. So I, I mean, even when we talk about the hard stuff, right? Joy bombs. Create my joy bombs. I love the joy bombs. And I think it's also, you know, when you think about our friendship, it's just, it makes me really smile because we teach each other so many things. And sometimes I, I really feel when we get off the phone together, like it's one plus one equals a hundred. It's just so profound when you come together and, and share in the way we do. So thank you a million times over for making the time to be with us today. Reflecting on the conversation today with Carlin, I'm thinking deeply about how she models boundarying our energy and taking care of ourselves and how important that is. And one of the things that I certainly struggled with as a leader and continue to struggle with is wanting to live true to the value of being generous, generous of spirit, time, energy, and also recognizing that we cannot give from an empty cup. And so I loved some of Carlin's suggestions around self-care and taking time and space to restore. And I think that's one of the things that I've certainly learned through this period of time being home during the pandemic and being super mindful of how I emerge when I get back to the full pace of my professional life, being able to maintain self-care practices, building in new rituals that fill up my cup so that I can go out into the world and share positive energy and not come from a depleted place, but come from a full and restored place. It's easy to say that. It's really hard to do it. And so I deeply admire some of Carlin's tips and suggestions and also how I know she approaches really taking time and space 
to restore and to find joy as she shared in how she loves to take baths and takes time in nature. So I encourage each of us to make sure that when we go back to the new normal, whatever that new normal becomes, that we can hang on to the ways that we've developed to restore ourselves and to fill up our own cups because it's really the only way to be able to give to others and live with a generosity that comes from a place of abundance as opposed to feeling depleted. Thank you for listening to Joyful Sundays, the podcast where I have truly inspiring conversations about how to become your best self. If you like this episode, support us by subscribing, leaving a five-star rating, and a comment. I'm your host, Jody Kovitz. See you next time on Joyful Sundays.